Welcome to our final session in our study of First and Second Thessalonians. Today we come into our study and uh, kind of as we come to the wrap up, there's some really interesting things left in Paul's writings here uh, in the third chapter. Now, of course, this has all been about seeing things in new ways. And uh, he's really, Paul has really emphasized for them that, that there is an opportunity for these Thessalonians to make a difference uh, in their own community, in their own part of the world. And uh, he kind of gives us today some of the things that, that he sees as important for, for his ministry, but I think it's also important for theirs. And so he really has a lot to say here about uh, the importance of faithfulness, of prayer, the role of grace. And so really a nice, a nice chapter. So before we begin, let's go to God and prayer, and then we'll start our study together. Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for how you have moved through this study and how that across the uh, study of First and Second Thessalonians, we have, we have seen that you have a plan, a plan for all of eternity, a plan for the end, and a plan for some new beginnings. Uh, we thank you that you love us with a, a deep, gracious, peace-filled love. Father, we are mindful that we live in a world that often is hostile to faith and hostile to you. Help us to be salt and light in our world and help us to make a difference. Indeed, let, let us be messengers of hope, messengers of peace, messengers of the truth. And let us always speak that truth, Father, in love. And also, may we be faithful. One of the great challenges that was afflicting the church in Thessalonica was idleness. And Father, I pray that we would not be idle, that we would be actively serving you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul begins with, with kind of saying, I'm coming to the end of my conversation. This comes right at the end of last week's message about uh, the man of lawlessness and things that would happen before the return of Christ. Well, now we have in chapter 3 kind of the final issue that Paul wants to get to in the text. And, and there is a corrective that's about to be uh, issued here, and even a command. And we'll see it's a command not just from Paul, but from the Lord. Well, he begins, though, by saying, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, and, and I just want you to think about how he has referenced them as his children, as brothers, as sisters, this is that idea of family. It's been reinforced over and over and over through these letters. Now a request for them towards Paul. Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored. And I just want to say this is a prayer I think Christians today should be praying for their congregations, for their pastors, but also just for the gospel and the world. We should be praying that the message of the Lord will spread rapidly and be honored. And I encourage you to add that line into your prayers. Lord, uh, please spread uh, your message and let it spread rapidly and, um, and let that message be received and honored, uh, we pray, Father. And, and um, uh, it's a good message. He also goes on and he says, pray that, the, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people uh, for not everyone has faith. So this is important to our conversation. There were a couple different kinds 
of pressure that were coming on Christians in this period of time, right? So for the Thessalonians, the bulk, of the, at least in the beginning, the bulk of the pressure is coming from their family, from their friends, from community members who uh, are concerned about them following a new religion. They're not following the old ways and the worship of of the Greek and Ro Greco-Roman gods. And so uh, remember that they're called atheists uh, so by their neighbors because they don't believe in the same gods that, as they their neighbors do, or the same God, I rather should say. And so they, because of that, the, um, the Thessalonian Christians are facing a kind of peer pressure, uh, a little bit of shunning from within their community. That sort of thing is happening. For the most part, those in Thessalonica are not being uh, seriously pressed at this point by what we'll call the Judaizers or, or by... Uh, the uh, group of people that uh, Paul call, will call later the circumcision, that is Jewish uh, leadership that's trying to make uh, impositions on these Gentile Christians. And also, uh, certainly they are not facing the kind of pressure that Paul, when he was formerly Saul, had exerted on people. Uh, and that continues to happen. And in fact, the Jude, the, uh, excuse me, the, uh, members of that uh, Jewish leadership group that are on the attack. They were the ones that had been on the attack against Jesus. Now they have been on the attack against the early church. And specifically, because remember, they think Saul is a traitor, uh, when, and, and they're very upset with him for leaving their ideology and following Jesus. So they put pressure on Paul. But for the most part, that group is not putting pressure on the Thessalonians. Well, here we go. Um, so Paul's understanding that there are people that are doing difficult things. He makes a disclaimer here to say not everyone has faith. And this is quite a quite an indictment because by this he means they have refused to believe in Jesus. But even though not everyone else has faith, the Lord is faithful. And there are a couple of contrasts that we're going to see in this, this uh, last chapter. And, and this is where Paul's making kind of a, some distinctions. Not everyone has faith, but the Lord is always faithful. And not everyone feels strong, but he will strengthen you and he will protect you from the evil one. And here Paul says the genesis of all of this evil ultimately comes from the evil one, uh, which also uh, brings kind of summation to the things he said last week. Um, but we have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. So this is kind of important. I've said this a, a couple times now in the series, but Paul does not want their hearts to become hard towards the neighbors that are being hard on them. And so he says, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love. In other words, can you begin to have a heart like God? Remember, David was known as a man after God's heart. Uh, it's a quality that says, I, I just love the Lord and I want the Lord's will to be accomplished in our world. And I want to see people the way that the Lord sees people. Uh, this is the idea of, of, of letting God direct our heart into his love. For the Thessalonians who are facing some real challenges, the other thing that he's going to emphasize is the importance of Christ's perseverance. And um, he's going to be talking to them about, you know, hey, hang in there. Uh, 
don't give up. Don't grow tired in doing good. Which then brings us, of course, to this next section, which is very much a corrective. Uh, it is issued for a reason. There is a challenge that this facing this church. Uh, remember, there, there really are two primary uh, reasons for this last letter to have been written to the Thessalonians. The first was to correct a false report. Paul will get to that yet again today. Um, this idea that Jesus had already come and uh, that they had missed it. And even a false letter appears to have circulated that he is uh, refuting that and saying he don't believe that. Uh, he's going to give some markers to know if the letter is from him or from someone else. And um, that, so that, that's one of the issues that's going on. The other is, remember, they, there were Thessalonians who had said, you know, hey, I think um, Jesus is coming back, so I'm going to quit my job, and I'm not going to work anymore. And uh, But, you know, hey, I'll let my Christian brothers and sisters who are working uh, take care of providing with food and taking care of me while I just, I'll just keep on the lookout for Jesus in case he comes back, as if to say somehow that was going to make the difference. Uh, they'd, they'd alert their neighbors or something. Uh, in truth, Paul's going to get to that. The fact was that these people who were acting very spiritual and, you know, I'm just going to trust God, they were actually becoming a burden on the rest of the community because everyone else is still working and uh, uh, contributing, but they're taking care of their brothers and sisters. And uh, it's become a very, a very large burden on the church in Thessalonian, uh, Thessalonica. So here we, we have this, this corrective, and he's going to issue it. It's, it's the slap of a friend that can be trusted. And he uses the phrase command, uh, not once, but a couple times here. Uh, and uh, both times he emphasizes that this is a command from Jesus himself. And this is the idea that's very important, that all scripture is God-breathed, that God is in these words. And so he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, Keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. And we're going to hit that again, so we'll reference it more at the very end when he talks about this again. For you yourselves know how you ought to uh, follow our example. Because when we were with you, we were not idle. Uh, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we work night and day laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you uh, we did this not because we have uh, because we do not have the right to such help but we did this in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate for even when we were with you we gave you this rule the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat so he points to their efforts, uh, the way that he had worked among them. It's important to note that there are times in Paul's ministry that he does have to be dependent on the faithful around him to take care of him. That happens during his imprisonment for sure. And, uh, and, and also in other places that he does receive uh, help and gifts from the brothers and sisters. But here in this very first stop they made in Macedonia, that was not the case. Uh, they were very careful to make sure that they were uh, doing everything they could to make sure nothing about their ministry caused anyone to stumble. And they had worked very hard among the Thessalonians. And so he says, you know, follow our example. You could should be working. Why? 
Well, because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. We have work to do. We, we're not saved by our work, but we want to be engaging in the Lord's work. It's important. Uh, I serve because I love the Lord and, uh, and not because I have to to earn my salvation. We serve because Jesus set us that example. Paul says, follow his example, serve the Lord and, and don't be idle. Uh, there's no time to waste. The, the hour is near. Uh, we can't afford to uh, waste these opportunities that God's put in front of us. And so this is the idea that happens here. And so he says, listen, to those Christians who have stopped working and are really just becoming a burden on everyone in the, in the faith community, uh, stop doing that. He says, stop doing that. For we hear that some among you are idle and even disruptive. And what was worse is that while they were just being idle, uh, they were actually starting to nitpick things and complain a lot. And how ironic, the people that, that you're taking care of and you're giving the food or they're complaining about what you do. And uh, it says, this next line is so funny, it says, they are not busy, they're busy bodies. They're just causing trouble. And so he says, such people we command and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. And now he really will get to the corrective of these people that are that are living this idle life. So listen, take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. And now this, this idea about uh, disassociating. And this is not so much about shunning as it is about cutting off the resources that have enabled them uh, to continue to be busy bodies instead, instead of busy about the Lord's work. And so he says, uh, do not associate with them in order they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would warn a fellow believer. So he, he's, he's not ready to, you know, call them an enemy of the faith here. But he's giving them a stern warning that, you know, listen, don't be idle. There's work to be done. Be faithful. May the Lord find you faithful when he returns. Uh, may he find you working instead of just waiting. And uh, that's an important, uh, just an important idea. Again, it's not, that's not what saves us. We're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. But, but we should be about our father's uh, business. Uh, Jesus understood that when he was only 12 years old. I, I have to be about my father's business, and so we want to be we want to be found uh, working for the Lord, not just waiting for the Lord. And um, and then of course we come to the final final greeting here. Now may the Lord of Peace Himself give you peace at all times and in every way. May the Lord be with all of you. Now. Paul has already referenced there was a false letter that had been circulating. And so here he tells them, look, here's how you'll know in part that it's my letter, that I wrote it. He says, compare the signatures, compare what you see there. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. And uh, it's interesting that, that we know later on that he'll talk about how he writes with large Letters and the idea here is that uh, Paul had a he signed his name boldly uh, to his work, and uh, that's important. He's kind of like the John Hancock of the United States Constitution. I mean, he put his name on there in big letters so that Britain would know, hey, I I I stand behind this. I'm not ashamed of this. 
I recognize that this may cost me my life, but I am willing to die for this cause. And that is Paul. Paul will say elsewhere, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And certainly that is the case. And he'll boldly say, uh, say that. So he puts his name on there in bold letters. And then this closing. And this is always a part of the Pauline closing because it's the life of, of Paul, right? Formerly saw, but shown incredible grace and forgiveness by Jesus. And he's never, um, and, and, and he's never uh, absent of this grace when he writes. I think he's always mindful of the sinner that he has been and yet that the Lord is using him in spite of his sinfulness. And so he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, be with all of you. That is the, in the same measure that God's grace has been poured out to Paul, uh, may it also be poured out to others. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this study of Thessalonians. Uh, this was a shorter chapter today as we wrap things up, but it has been uh, a blessing for me to go through the series with you. I want you to know that we're going to be picking up a study again uh, coming in August of uh, 2022, and uh, I look forward to the chance to lead you through another study at that time. But for now, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, I hope you will join us again. Ogleville Christian Church has a lot of amazing things going on. Check us out at occtoday.org. And uh, would love to uh, get to know you better. God bless.